My name is Michael Darbuz. I'm grateful to be with you all on this morning and really expectant and excited about what God is going to do because I'm in a great deal of suspense myself. <laughs> but I want to take a moment to introduce you to my family, or I should say my household. I genuinely believe that this is my family. I love how Jesus puts it, who is my mother, my brother, my sister, but those who do the will of my father. We have eternity together. So I feel like I'm at home because I am. That may mean a couple of different things for you because you haven't seen me act yet, but I'm going to act <laughs> like I'm at home. Uh, so this is our household. Um, my lovely wife, who's actually probably one of the smallest persons in the picture, <laughs> but she has the biggest heart in the room. Uh, Jomar Darbuz, known Jomar for 22 years. We've been married for 18, and God has been gracious uh, to us as he has blessed us to be fruitful and multiply. Our five children pictured here uh, See, our two adult daughters, they are spiritual daughters. Like, man, you all look too young to have daughters that are older. It's like, well, yes, we are, but we also age gracefully. So, uh, but uh, Jelana, who just introduced herself, and Jennifer, and then you have uh, David, uh, and he's the bigger of the two boys, and Daniel, and then Micaela. Uh, the Lord has moved us from Durham, North Carolina to Houston, Texas, because we believe God has sent us here to plant. Our journey has been beautiful and difficult all at the same time, but God has been faithful. After marrying Jomar, we moved to Okinawa, Japan, and I was in the military in the Marine Corps for a few years, and from there we moved to upstate New York, and then we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where we met Jelana and Jennifer in that accidental church planting job that Jelana had. She came back from and said, hey, you can plant. I said, I can do what? I didn't even know what planting was, and that was about 11 years ago, and so God has been teaching me, growing me and showing me. And actually, in that journey, God moved us to Portland, where our family is here today that we met in Portland and did ministry with, serving uh, the homeless community and, and saw God do great things. And now here we are in Texas together. I mean, God has just been great. He moved us to North Carolina, where he just grew us some more and raised us up some more. I served as a local lead pastor there for two years. And and God said it's time to go to Houston, which is a word that he planted back in 2004. And to see it come to fruition now is just words don't capture how grateful we are and how humbled we are that God would choose to use us. As I think about sharing our story or my story, really you don't want to hear much of that. right? Because my story goes from about 0 to 25 and I did everything that I could to make an absolute mess. But his story worked out in my life is the story that I pray will encourage, will magnify the name of the Lord so that we can see that God is good and he does all things well. I was in the word. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. And all week long, I felt like the Lord was impressing a word on my heart. <clears throat> And then about five minutes ago, I just felt the Lord say 
this is the word for the people. And so I genuinely mean I'm expectant because I'm like, Lord, you know. And so I'm going to trust him because I don't know what we need, but God does. So Holy Spirit, do what you do and only the way that you can do it. Uh, So Exodus chapter 3, start with verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now what we'll see in just a moment is that Moses has an exhilarating encounter with his creator. But in order to appreciate the experience that Moses is getting ready to have, we first have to know what happened before Moses got to Midian. And while time won't permit, I'll let you know that if you want the full unedited version of the story, you have to go back to Genesis chapter 37 and read through Exodus chapter 2. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to give a high-level overview of Exodus 1 and 2. And so in Exodus chapter 1, we see that the children of Israel are in Egypt, and they're doing really well for themselves. They're prospering. They're becoming a mighty people. And the king of Pharaoh, or the king of Egypt, was not pleased with what he was seeing. He was intimidated. He was scared. And so in order to make sure that Israel didn't get too strong and overtake Egypt, he decided to oppress them. And the Bible says that he treated them as slaves, ruthlessly worked them. But that still didn't stop the people of God, the nation of Israel, from growing stronger. And so now the king sends out word that all of the female babies that are born can live, but the male babies have to do away with them because we don't want Israel to continue to get stronger. It's in this time period that Moses was born. Moses had two parents that when they birthed him, they did not give him over. Instead, they hid him. The Bible says they hid him for three months, and when they could hide him no more, they created a basket and put him in the Nile River. And in God's providence, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and then hands Moses over to his mother to be nursed until he can get to the point of having table food, we'll say. And now Moses is raised as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he was born a slave, but raised as a prince of Egypt. And that quick summary, which you all should be very impressed right now, that I got through a chapter and a half in the Bible in less than a minute, I mean, Mike, you better go ahead and get it, boy. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with myself. I mean, because that hurt me to do that. But I'm, I'm going to keep going because there's a word that God has for us, and I can't let myself get, get swept away with excitement. But so that gets us up to chapter 2, verse 11. And while chapter 2, verse 11 and on is uh, worth reading, I like to go to Acts chapter 7 because I believe Acts chapter 7 gives a good summary of that point of Moses having been a prince in Egypt to how he now becomes a shepherd in Midian. Acts chapter 7, verses 23 through 29 read, 
when he, being Moses, was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Verse 25, he, being Moses, supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they clearly didn't get the memo. But they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. So now that puts us in chapter 3 of Exodus, verse 1. Moses is now actually 80 years old, and he is an exile from Egypt. He's a fugitive from the land that he grew up a prince in. And he's a reject from the people that he looked to rescue. And so now Moses is masquerading as a Midianite shepherd of somebody else's sheep. And it's in this scene that the God of the universe enters in and introduces himself to Moses. Exodus chapter 3. Verses 2 through 6 read, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Now, depending on your view of God, you may hear the call of God to Moses differently. Maybe it sounds like a thunderous voice, Moses, Moses, and just shudders to the core of his soul. But that's not the way that God calls out to Moses. And we can see that based on Moses' response. Moses does not hide his face in fear. Moses calls out, here I am. In other words, yes. I mean, here Moses is on the west side of the wilderness in the mountain of Horeb shepherding some sheep. The last thing Moses expected to see was a bush on fire that was not burning. And so he was captivated by it. And he goes over to see what is this that's happening. 
And as he approaches the bush, he hears his name. Now, if we don't make Moses some superhero, you could put yourself in that story and imagine how you would respond if a bush that was on fire but not burning called your name. Right. The fact that Moses even said yes is amazing. Because for me, okay, hours later, Michael gets up off the ground because he was done from passing out. A bush is talking to me right now. So Moses' expression is Yes, but I would imagine, just stay with me for a moment in my spiritual imagination. It's like, who is calling me right now? I mean, the sheep, I would look to a sheep before I look to a burning bush. And maybe it sounded like Moses. I'm just, he's out here losing his mind. But the bush is calling him. And in such a way that Moses responds, yes, who is calling my name? Now, I had anticipated just kind of glossing over that section and going on to the next section because I really felt to deal with Moses' response to God as we see in verse 12 of this chapter. But then this morning happened as I was praying and just seeking the face of the Lord and the Lord spoke a word to my heart. And he said, this is what the people need to hear. And so I'm about to shave off hours of study. All right, Lord, for your glory and for our growth. God calls Moses by his name. And allow me to just quickly remind us of who Moses is. He's a slave that grew up as a prince that thought God was going to use him to deliver the people of God from slavery. And when he set out to do this work, his own people rejected him. Who made you judge over us? Who do you think you are? And now it's been told of what he has done, and he is now an exile in Midian. He goes from being a prince to being a shepherd. In Egypt, shepherds were seen as vile. You could not entertain a shepherd in Egypt. So Moses, prince to shepherd, he's a reject at best. He tried and he failed. And so now for the past 40 years, He's been masquerading as a shepherd in Midian, feeling forgotten probably by everybody he knew back in the land that he grew up in, everybody he cared about, not even thinking about them and probably feeling like they're not thinking about him. He's going about his business. And God calls his name. And maybe you can identify with Moses. I know that for much of my life, I have. The fact that God called me to be a pastor is is mind-boggling to me. It really is. When the thought of being called into ministry came to mind, I didn't believe 
that God could use somebody like me. Right? Because my past was just horrid. It was a terrible life that I lived when I thought I was in control and able to do every and anything that I was big and bad enough to do. And while I was stuck, feeling unloved, unlovable, the creator of the universe, Michael, Michael, it didn't matter what Moses did. It didn't matter what Moses had been through. God knows his name, and he calls him to himself. Listen, it's a story that you may be familiar with, but how often do we forget that God did not introduce himself to me in the palace God did not come to me because I had so much to offer him. Hey, Michael, you have a significant platform. You have 10 million followers on Instagram. I want to partner with somebody like you so that I can get the gospel out. No, God found you and I on the west side of the wilderness, in the backside of a mountain, just trying to do our best to hide. Hopefully, nobody will see what I have done who I have been, where I have come from. Hopefully, I can forget enough of my past that I'll actually believe that I was always created to be a shepherd hiding behind these sheep. And God says, no, I know your name. And I call you to come to myself. And if we don't remember this story well, then we will respond to God the same way that Moses did. When God tells Moses, come Moses, I have come to deliver the children of Israel from the oppression of Egypt. Moses does not look at the bush and say to God, absolutely, let's do this thing, God. I mean, the fact that you can come and light a bush on fire, but it not burn down and that you can meet me here. I'm, I'm on your team. Let's go, God. Like, hold on, Moses. Don't forget the sheep. Oh, you're right, Lord. I got to take them back to Jethro. I just, I'm just so excited to serve you. No, that's not what Moses did. You see Moses' response through verse 13 in chapter 3 and going on through chapter 4, verse 17. Moses speaks to God a completely different way. And the reason why Moses lacked the confidence to do what God was calling him to do was because Moses remembered who he was and he did not recognize who God is. Moses says to God, the creator of the universe, the one who's able to speak through a burning bush to him. In verse 13, if I come to the people of Israel, look, he doesn't even say, all right, Lord, let's, do that. let's say if I do go. Like on the outside chance that I entertain your request. If I do this, let's say I do. Let's just pretend for a moment. If I do go, that's what Moses is saying. That's the MDV, the Michael Darbuz version. You'll enjoy it uh, when, uh, when it gets published. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? 
What shall I say to them? Look, God, I don't even know who you are. I'm saying, what am I going to go and tell them? Yeah, hey, you all are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is coming to free us. So, what it was, you know, it was this bush. It's going to sound silly, but just give me a moment. It really happened. You know, see this knot on my head? You asked when I passed out. It was the it was, it was bush was talking. No, I don't even know who you are. Like, what's your name? Who do I say sent me? You just want me going up in here? Do you know what the, no, no way. Right, and God entertains Moses. Moses, okay, let me tell you who I am. Which, what a great name. I am. Can we give me a little bit more? No, that, that's cool. I mean, I am, I am what? I am fill in the blank. I am whatever you need me to be. I'm your savior. I'm your hope. I'm your refuge. I'm your fortress. I'm your strong tower. I'm a very present help in the time of trouble. And I'm just getting started. I'm feeling my help. You know what I mean? This is God. I am, period. And that still wasn't enough for Moses. God goes on to tell Moses what he's going to do. And tells Moses, look, and they will believe you. They will believe you when you tell them this truth. And what does Moses say? All right, then let's go do this. No. Moses lacks confidence because he doesn't know who God is. But he also knows what he has done. Moses replies in chapter 4, verse 1 of Exodus. But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Look at what Moses is speaking out of here is his experience. Moses remembers his path. Like, listen, God, the last time I tried to deliver them and let them know that you were sending me, that salvation from God was coming through my hand, they rejected me. They won't believe me. You go back and look at uh, verse 18 of chapter 3. This is what God said to Moses. And they will listen to your voice. And Moses is telling God, they won't listen to my voice. Like, Moses, hold on. I just told you they listen to your voice. No, God, I don't believe that. You, they're not going to believe me. I'm a reject from Israel. I'm a fugitive from Egypt. I'm a has-been. That was 40 years ago. That's over. Washed up. There's no way. And God goes on to give Moses three signs. You all really got to read chapter 1 through 4 this week because I am doing it no justice. This is like a three-series uh, uh, sermon of three series. You know, it's like I just, there's so much in here. But God gives Moses three signs, which we have to start reading the Bible like it's a fictional book. This is a historically accurate document. And if you stop and think about these signs, I mean, it's just wild. God tells Moses to throw down his staff, and it becomes a snake. Moses runs. I, Moses, I, I feel you, man. <laughs> now, I'm thinking to myself, see, now I'm just going to give you a little peer into the, to the mind of Michael. This is the way that God created me, because I'm just reading this. I'm thinking, man, Moses, what you going through? And I understand what he's going through. Like, God, you couldn't make the staff a turtle? A snake of all things? And then he said, okay, and what if they don't believe that? Well, go ahead. What you, what you got there? You got your hand? Put that in your cloak and take it out. Leprosy? Like, out of, ah, like, you know, like, get, I'm trying to get away from my hand. You couldn't have just, you couldn't have rained down manna from heaven? Like, why do I have to have dead flesh? And if they don't believe that, Moses, go take water from the Nile. 
and then pour out a bowl of blood. Anybody else want to pour out blood? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> see, look, God is amazing. No, but these are the signs that God gives Moses, right? And then you think, well, after that, I mean, there's only one response that Moses is going to give to God, right? Well, Lord, I mean, staff, snake, I, mean, I would have preferred a turtle, but that mean, you did it. <clears throat> you hand, leprous, and you changed it back. You're going to turn water to blood. All right, let's go do this. No, that's not what Moses says to God. Look at Moses' response to God in verse 13 of chapter 4. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Now, again, between the signs and this moment, Moses also gave the excuse that he couldn't speak. And God told him, I worded your mouth. Moses is giving excuse after excuse after excuse. But we can look at Moses and just say, man, Moses, you didn't catch a clue. But we do the same thing. I can't tell you. I mean, that's what I'm telling you. It's God magnified through broken people. For the last two years, I was preaching Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I felt like God called me to it, and I even felt like God was using me. But every time I stepped down from the pulpit, I felt like a mess. It's like, Lord, I think I just messed up. I don't even know why you bother using me. You know, I just I identify with Moses. It wasn't until, and I do not give exaggeration for effect, it wasn't until the last two sermons that I preached in Durham that I had this peace that said, Michael, it's not about you, but it's about the God who called you. But I'm telling you, I preached over a hundred messages about the gospel of God, and yet for some reason, I could not embrace it myself. I felt like it was good for everybody else, but I was still making a mess of things. Like, God, you have got to send someone else. Anybody else would be better. You know what Moses and I failed to realize? And what we oftentimes forget is that God did not call us on our own merit, but his mercy. That God did not choose us because of our greatness, but his grace. And so when Moses says to God, here in verse 11, when God tells Moses to come and partner with him, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? MDV, what? Do you know who I am? There's no way I'm going to Pharaoh and there's no way I'm talking to Israel. And God says to Moses, son, it's not who you are. It's who I am. Verse 12, he being God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God is not taking a shot in the dark 
This isn't a hope and a prayer. God says, Moses, my promises don't hinge on you. My promises are based on me. So when Moses says who I am, God is saying it's who I am. I will be with you. And in each response that Moses gives, what's God's reply? Not, hey, Moses, you know what? I think you can do it. Moses, I believe in you. Moses, you just need to be more positive in your thinking. No, each response, God says, look at me. I will be with you, Moses. But what's your name? I am. And this is the message that I send you to give. But they won't believe me. Well, here are some signs so that I can show myself through you. But I can't speak. Moses, I worded your mouth. And I'll teach you what to say. But you got to send somebody else. Moses, I'm about to. You got to read the rest of the story. Because <laughs> God went on a dad moment like I would. All right, let me not. <clears throat> Moses, you're going to mess around and mess up. I'm going to send Aaron. It's going to be me and you in a moment. But God worked with Moses. And it was him. God kept pointing to himself. How many times do you respond to God? But Lord, I can't. Look at what I've done. My might, my merit, my goodness, my greatness. And it always falls flat. And God says, my might, my mercy, my goodness, my grace. And this is the story for us all. We were all a wretch undone. But God. And we can never forget where God found us. But we must always remember that it's God who calls us. And God is faithful to finish the good work which he began in us. So if I can read a passage of scripture that prayerfully will take us back to that day in the wilderness when God found us and called us by name. I said, come on. Let's walk together. I want to use you for my glory. Because I don't want us to leave here today forgetting whose we are. Yeah, those things are true. Exile, reject, fugitive, but God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open this up because you're going to want to read along and allow this word to sink in to the depths of your soul. Because there are a lot of things that man can say, but there's only one word that's going to transform your life, and it's the word of God. So tablet, whatever you need, everybody has a mask on, look over to your neighbor's Bible if you don't have one yourself, but, but read along. I'm just going to read some of Ephesians chapter 2, and my prayer is that you will picture yourself on the west side of the wilderness, the mountain of Horeb, the mountain of God. And see the creator of the universe calling you by name. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins 
in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It wasn't anything that you and I did in and of ourselves. The Bible says, while you were a fugitive from Egypt, a reject of Israel, an exile in Midian, masquerading as a shepherd, children of wrath, working out whatever you thought you were big and bad enough to do. God, not because of you, but because of the love, the great love which he loved us even while I was dead, dead in my trespasses. He would come, send his son to pay a price that I could not so that he could then call me to himself. And it was not by works, but a gift of grace so that no one could stand here and say look at what I did yeah God I'm the great church planter it's a good thing that you called me because the gospel was gonna fall flat if you didn't send me no God could raise up a rock may we all have enough humility to remember where he has rescued us from but may we have enough confidence in who Christ is to know that he can use us See, because it's not in my merit. He said it was mercy. It wasn't my might. It was mercy. It wasn't my goodness. It was grace. It wasn't my greatness. It was grace. And now I am in, I mean, it just, I tell you, it blows my mind. I am in Christ Jesus. In Christ so he doesn't see that wretch undone, but he sees a son. He sees a daughter. 
And the righteousness that is now on Christ has been imputed, has been gifted, has been given to me. I'm telling you, that's like talking to a fire that's on a bush that's not burning down. That just doesn't make no sense. Are you really talking to me right now? I am in Christ. I actually have a mind to believe that bushes can talk. In Christ? I mean, sit in that for a moment. If we believe that today, people of God, we don't walk from here saying, yeah, God, but you know, I can't, I can't, you're right, I can't do anything, but you can do everything. How you want me, where you want me, just show me, lay me down here. Right, that's what we just sang. On the altar of my life, I surrender, I lay myself down. I'm not fighting against you, God. Dead, dead men don't fight back. Use me. You want my left arm here where you want it. You want it up, you want it down. Like just use me, Lord. Send me, I'll go where you need me. You want me in Okinawa? Got it. You want me in Houston, Texas, where the sun is sitting on the earth? Let's go. Where do you need me? Right? But that's how we respond to God. Not, oh, man, you know what? Lord, I really, I really don't like the cold. You know, God, you know, I really don't like that person. So, I, you know, don't, don't ask me to love them. But I'll love on this person. We don't negotiate with God. I was dead in my trespasses. And he saved me. Whatever you want me to do, Jesus. Whatever you want me to do. This is the God who calls you and who calls me to himself. Michael, Michael, I see you. Oh, yes, yes. I know what you've been through. I mean, God found Moses. It was, nobody else knew where Moses was. Moses has been hiding out for 40 years. And God just shows up and like, hey, Moses, what you doing over here, man? God, God saw Moses. Moses didn't go to God. God came to him. I mean, I just, Michael, wrap it up. How much more time do we have? I mean, you just, when you think about this, this story, it's just, it's breathtaking. You know, and we can get to the place where we just, okay, here's another Sunday. And yes, I know, Pastor Sean's going to talk about the gospel again. It's the gospel. May we listen to it every day. And be consumed by it in awe of it, breathtaking from this great story that a God who owes us nothing would give us everything. And then use me as well to be the reflection of his love in this life. Man, I just, this is a great story. It's a great story. My prayer, sincerely from my heart, this has been a weight that I feel weekly for the past year, is God, please, don't let us leave here the same. Not the same. And Sunday after Sunday, how are you going to leave here today? You know, I, I, I pray because, yes, there's need to prepare, but I don't want Sunday to ever become a show. Oh, well, let me see if I can impress them today. You know what? Forget all of you. I, stay with me for just a moment. <laughs> that really sounded bad. You know, but, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, there's only one person that I want to hear say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to impress you. 
As a matter of fact, I pray that when I leave this place, like, well, you know, it kind of fell flat, but it, he did read Ephesians. <clears throat> and that was solid. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit really spoke to my heart. Great, forget my name. I don't have a heaven to send you to. But don't forget the one who calls your name. He loves you right where you are. Don't leave here the same. If you don't know Jesus, yeah, we take for granted, right? Well, everybody in here is saved. No, no. Maybe not. If you don't know Jesus, he meets you on the backside of a mountain today, and he calls you to come. Come. Yeah, and you would say, man, but if I go into that building, it's going to fall on me. You know all the stuff you say when, when you don't believe, like, oh, and I can't, I can't. No, no, you're right. Good. I'm glad you recognize that. Now acknowledge that God is bigger than all of your mess, and he's able to save you. And if you do know Jesus, please, people of God, just listen. He calls you by name. He loves you, loves you with a love so great that his only begotten son wouldn't be seen as too much for you. Do not leave here today under the burden of what has been done to you or what you have done. God's grace is a gift for you today. Don't tell him what you have done, but thank him for what he has done. And if I could challenge you today, if you do have some pains that are causing you to not embrace the promises of God, then please, before you leave here, find Sean, myself, Ashley, Joe Mar, Zach, find the elders of this ministry, find your sisters in Christ and, and ask somebody to pray with you. Confess that this is a pain that's keeping me from embracing the fullness of God's promise. And I, and I don't want that anymore. And if I could challenge someone else a little bit further, right, to leave this place courageous and confident. You know, I, I know that God has been leading me to do this, but I didn't feel I was good enough. I get it. I did not want to preach until I had a Ph.D., and I promise you that was the truth. You could ask Jomar later. And I was on my way to it. And God knew that that Ph.D. would have been my idol. So halfway through my masters, God said, Mike, you know, I'm going to shift you over here because I need you to be desperately dependent on me and not on that degree. Right? And so, so I get it. <clears throat> you don't feel like you are enough or can do enough. I'm standing here right now. I, I testify. Don't feel like I'm good enough. But I believe that God is great enough. And so would you take that step of obedience and do what the Holy Spirit has been impressing on your heart for whether it's been weeks, months, years, Call that relative, send that text, write that email, whatever it is. Stop saying what I can't do and recognize what God can do through you. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that will empower you to do what God has called you to do. Just don't leave here the same way you came in. God didn't come and invite us in so that we could stay stuck. Let's lay down at the altar.
and give him the totality of our lives. Will you pray with me? Father, we are not enough. And you never asked us to be. So, Lord, according to your word, we come humbly, recognizing that we deserve death, but boldly, confidently, aware that you have given us life in Christ. And so now in the love of Christ, we give you our hearts, not our excuses, not our pain, not our past, but our hearts to do whatever you desire. Holy Spirit, would you please sweep over this room as we sing songs of praise, may you light up in us the word of truth that the information would lead to transformation, which can only happen as a result of the manifestation of your presence. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Change us. Shape us, make us, mold us so that we might magnify the name that is above every name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.